Hi, this is uh, Greg Steer, and here with the Gospelize Your Youth Ministry podcast, and have a very special, special guest. One of my heroes, one of my favorite writers, Oz Guinness. And so, Oz, thank you so much for being a part of this. My pleasure, Greg. So, um, you've written over 30 books, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is in my top five of all time, The Call, which is a book that I tell people in ministry they should read at least once every five years. Oh, that's kind of you. What, um, what, is, uh, what was your motivation behind The Call? Well, when I came to Christ, it was sort of almost, not stated flat out, but understood that if you were all out for Jesus, you were a minister, a missionary, or an evangelist, full time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was no notion of the old sense of calling. Everyone has different gifts and callings from the Lord. And you have an incredible freedom and discovery of purpose when you discover what's your calling Mm. from the Lord. So it meant a lot to me wrestling through that. Uh, And that book has meant a lot to an incredible number of people, I'm grateful to say. Well, and I know the whole um, primary versus secondary calling, our calling, all of us are called primarily to the Lord first and foremost yeah. to him, mm-hmm. and then secondary, whatever that station in life is, at that particular time, what God is calling us to, to do it for his glory. I know that, that I've, I've used that with youth leaders across the nation, and it is deeply, deeply ministered to them mm-hmm. that, hey, my calling is, what, the way I say it to youth leaders, you and I have the same calling in a sense. We're called to stand at our post mm-hmm. for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Exactly. And uh, to be faithful with that until he moves us to another post. But you're like coaches too, bringing out the best gifts in people, encouraging them to go forward. And we're all called to be salt and light in the wider world. Yeah, amen, amen. So youth leaders, if you're listening to this, I really challenge you to pick up the book, The Call, uh, by Oz Guinness, and I guess it's been updated uh, with three extra chapters, is well, that right? Well, the publishers kindly put out a 20th anniversary edition mm. last year and have added four new chapters. Oh, four new chapters. Mm-hmm. So pick that book up. I'm so. going to pick up the updated <laughs> one and uh, make sure you read that. It's great. So you were born in China. When my parents were medical missionaries. Medical missionaries. So do you mm-hmm. remember when the... Um, I mean, basically, the Chinese kicked out the the missionaries. No, I well remember January 1949 Mm. when I was eight, and my dad said to me, son, we're in trouble. Mm. Chiang Kai-shek has just flown to Taiwan. Mm. Sure enough, three months later in May, in came the Communist Red Army and Lin Bao, and you had the climax of the Chinese Revolution, which is being celebrated this October because it's the 70th anniversary. Wow. Wow. So basically all the missionaries kicked out and they're kicked out, but the gospel is exploded. The gospel exploded. Was there something like a million Christians at the time? Well, maybe three quarters of a million, I'm told. Wow. And today, 80 to 100, maybe who knows how many more. So far more Christians than there are members of the Communist Party. Wow. But as you know, the current president, Xi Jinping, is repressing the church yes. as never before since Mao Zedong. But that has a tendency of backfiring. Yep. Persecution <laughs> is uh, one of those things, it's like fertilizer for the plant of the church to grow. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, but it's tough. 
Yeah, it is tough. We need to pray for our uh, persecuted mm-hmm. church. Just as a reminder to youth leaders, something I try to do on a consistent basis is in my prayer time, pray for the persecuted church. And so really encourage you to do that, especially for China as you think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you have a very unique view. I heard you speak. Uh, we're in Laguna Beach. We're doing an event for Promise Keepers. Heard you speak last night for 20 minutes. But, and I'd used my whole brain the whole time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was good. It was really good. And um, they, you, you talk a lot about the, uh, tying in liberty and freedom with, with the church uh, and how that those two are not antithetical, but they really kind of go together. Absolutely. I mean, wh- where did American freedom come from? Hmm. Part of it's what's called the ancient liberties of the English, which goes back to things like Magna Carta. Mm. But the bulk of it comes from the Reformation because they rediscovered the Old Testament. Mm. In other words, what was God's way of going about freedom? Well, you see it in Exodus, let my people go. Mm. And above all, the covenant. And many Americans don't realize that the Old Testament notion of covenant, they tried to apply it in Europe, it failed. Mm. But what was the lost cause, say, in England, became the winning cause. They brought covenant over to New England. Yep. And in the 18th century, it became the U.S. Constitution. Mm. And Americans don't mm. realize that. And there are very key features. If you look at the book of Exodus, for example, the Lord gives the covenant through Moses. But it's ratified when three times the people say, all that the Lord says, we will do. Mm. That is the origin of the consent of the government. And you have a lot of things in Exodus, for example, separation of powers. Yeah. The Jews call it the three crowns. You have the king mm-hmm. and the priests and the prophets. Yeah. And they all have separate powers. That's the origin of the separation of powers. So kind of like our three absolutely. legislative, executive, they, they and judicial. Came, slightly yeah. different, but they came from Same idea. the Torah, the Old Testament. So let me ask you a question. As we think about this, talking to youth leaders, that may be thinking, man, I'm so disconnected with the, the politics of the United States because I'm a youth leader. How do you think, because one of the things we pray for at Dare to Share is we're praying for revival. Absolutely. Because the first great awakening, I believe, prepared the way for the republic that we have today. No question. What do you think the role of a youth leader, how would you encourage a youth leader to lean in to revival and transformation and how that could potentially impact the entire uh, you know, United States mm-hmm. of America. My great-grandfather, the grandson of Arthur Guinness, my ancestor, was in the Irish revival. We have mm. newspaper accounts of his preaching, 25, 30,000 people, no microphone. Wow. And believe it or not, in the year after the revival, in the north of Ireland where the revival took place, there was only one recorded crime. Wow. And millions of pounds worth of goods were taken back to factories which had been stolen and so on. In other words, it touched people not just spiritually but ethically and socially and really changed the face of the uh-huh. North Island. Ah. So you Now I would urge pastors though your job is to coach people yes. to be prepared for the world. If you're a football coach or a baseball coach, you coach them to go out to play. Well, how do they play? They are they going into computer science or education yeah. or politics or what at law, medicine, whatever. You got to coach them to be prepared to really play a key part in the game, yeah. whatever field they're going into. That's right. And again, to go back to the call that 
all of us, I was a roofer for eight years. Mm -hmm. And when I was a roofer, I, I knew I was called to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget my boss one day pulled me aside and he goes, Steer, I know that you're called to be a preacher someday. Everybody on the roof knows that. But you're called to be a roofer today. Yeah. So roof every house like it was the house of Jesus. With excellence. With excellence. And, mm -hmm. and share Christ as you can. And it totally, it was kind of like my like understanding of, wow, mm -hmm. I can do what I'm doing wherever I'm at for the yep. glory of God. We need to coach students to be those kind of high school students, those kind of college students, those kind of you know vocational, whatever job they take. To be that in there, in you their probably jobs. remember the old film *Chariots of Fire*. Oh yes, Eric Little, Olympic runner. Yes. And that when I run, I feel His pleasure. God yeah. made him fast, and yes. He glorified the Lord by running well. Amen. Amen. So your your great grandfather, uh, your great 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 grandfather Arthur Guinness, mm -hmm. right? Started. For those of Brewery. you Baptists that don't know what Guinness beer is, <laughs> it's a beer you can chew, right? Um, I actually got fewer calories than most. Fewer calories, there you go. But then your great-grandfather... Well, he came to faith through John Wesley. Okay, tell me. In, in the first awakening that you mentioned. In, now was Wesley it? visited Ireland. Okay. And my ancestor Arthur Guinness came to faith, and he built in... Christian principles into the explosion of the brewery. Wow. You know, earn all you can, save all you can, yeah. give all you can. That was Wesley's motto. Exactly. Yeah. So our family followed that and became Ireland's number one philanthropist. So think about this. Probably much of the ministry, many of the ministries we know and are impacted today down the road were fueled by beer money. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. I mean, think about that because they did it. They, you know, make all you can, uh, save all you can, give all you can. And John Wesley, this great revivalist who mobilized, I mean, men and women and a lot of teenagers to be these circuit riders in the United States yeah. that would go through, I mean, all sorts of persecution and mm -hmm. difficult times to preach the gospel of Christ. But and all also of that, encouraged abolition. Hmm. You know, as an Englishman, I find many Americans... They're only aware of the bad things that happened, say, in the South, yeah. where the church sometimes supported slavery. Yes. Whereas, in fact, it was evangelicals who were the leading mm. abolitionists. Mm. And uh, my great-grandfather, a great-great-grandfather, was a friend of William Wilberforce. Wow. It was evangelicals who did it. John Wesley supported. His last words, Wesley's, were a letter to Wilberforce warning him how tough it would be but how important his work was mm. which mm. is terrific so we so, who are evangelicals should be proud of the fact yes. we've been the freedom loving justice pursuing people amen and so in the same way our students if they get on fire for christ they get in on fire for his word they get filled by his holy spirit they start preaching the gospel making disciples part of that is going to result in justice issues being Absolutely. taken care of but not yeah. justice in the left-wing sense. Yes. You know, playing power games and seeking reparations and so on, because we are aiming for reconciliation, mm. you know, with the Lord first mm. and foremost, but between people too. Mm. And we know the power of forgiveness and yes. so on, because you don't have that in the left-wing pursuit of justice. It's mm. just power. You know, it's uh, the way we describe kind of social justice issues with teenagers is... It all goes under the ultimate cause of, of Christ, which is mm -hmm. to, to love God, Absolutely. love others, and to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And we need to give the hungry bread, 
and the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Water and the living water. We need to stop human trafficking and soul trafficking. And that when you put the gospel in the center of all that, that's right. Uh, everything else kind of gets taken care of mm -hmm. in the process. Yeah. So no, that's terrific. Yeah, because the deepest views of freedom are biblical. Mm. And if you look around, and say our atheist friends, they don't have any grounding for freedom. Mm. Like Sam Harris, freedom is a fiction. Mm. We're determined chemically or psychologically yeah. or historically or economically. You can't find in atheism any grounds for freedom at all. Yeah. And you have them in the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's just survival of the fittest. It's, in, yeah. you know, and with us, we're made in the image of God. And I love, I love the way that, that if we can really equip, like you say, coach this next generation to live out uh, a Christianity, to proclaim this Christianity, <clears throat> students are really going to learn what it means to walk in freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, any other I love your passion for the gospel. You know, one of my, uh, I've been brought up with Francis Schaeffer and apologetics. Yes. One of the simple principles, contrast, is the mother of clarity. Mm. When you see the difference of the gospel from atheism, Buddhism, Hinduism, mm. whatever it is, you see, wow, this is incredible. And you have a sense of gratitude and wonder, but also something that's a good pressure point when we're speaking to people about the good news, the difference from the alternatives. Amen. I love that. Contrast is the mother of clarity. <coughs> you know, I, uh, I remember studying Francis Schaeffer in college, and I always say I used to cram a book into a <laughs> chapter, a chapter into a paragraph, a paragraph into a sentence, a mm -hmm. sentence into a word. Um, and I appreciate your, your carrying on that philosophic, theologically grounded, orthodox genius Trying into, to, into trying you, to. you're doing it into <laughs> life and into academia and into I think pastors thinking and hopefully youth leaders thinking I really want but to you look at say the yeah. Menavisica follow David who, who read the signs of the times mm. to know what Israel should do mm. they weren't pundits it was to be practical or mm. you think of our Lord weeping over Jerusalem because they missed yeah. God's moment when it came mm. And so I always challenge the church to try and understand the times in which we're living yes. so that we respond to it appropriately. So what, which one of your books would you recommend, youth leader out there, you know, kind of listening to this right now, that you say, you know, I think this book, if there was one book of mine beside the call, I'll just personally mm. say that, that would really help them, coach them to coach their students to be more ready. What book would you mm. recommend? Oh. <laughs> um, well, on the one hand, I have a book that used to be called The Gravedigger File, mm. and it's now called The Last Christian on Earth, which is on the way the modern world is pressuring Christians so that much of their faith in America is more worldly than it is biblical. Mm. The Last Christian on Earth, and it's written on those pressures of the world on the church. Mm. But one of my favorites is a little book just called Renaissance, hmm. which is on what was it, the power of the gospel that shaped the Roman Empire hmm. and can shape the modern world too if we discover the power of the gospel. It's just a little book called Renaissance. Okay, it's a little so paperback published by InterVarsity, not very long. Youth leaders, I'm going to, when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go to Amazon and I'm going to order Renaissance and I'm going to read it. 
And I See really, what you think. Yeah, I really... Do you like it? Put it on one side. No, I'm sure I'll love it. And, and uh, any other words of encouragement to youth leaders as they are... Our prayer is, Oz, we, we want to energize the church to mobilize an army of youth to gospelize their world until every teen everywhere has every last opportunity to hear the gospel from a friend because we think that's where the leverage is, is in mm-hmm. peer-to-peer. Yeah. They have to be, youth leaders need to become coaches to make that happen, right? To equip their students to live and articulate the gospel. Mm-hmm. In that process, are there any words of encouragement you would give to youth leaders as they seek to do that? Well, I would just say we're in a most extraordinary time because you can see that the gospel is exploding in this mm. global south, Africa, mm. Asia, and so on, but not doing well in the West anywhere. The scandal of the American church, this is the country with the biggest church. We're a majority of this country, and yet groups that are tiny compared with us, good groups like, say, the Jewish people, 2% of America, far more power than we do. They punch well above their weight. So this is an extraordinary moment. The West is in decline. America, as the world's lead society, is in deep trouble. And people of faith who understand the times and have confidence in the gospel this is an incredible moment to move out with confidence. Yeah. You know, one of my books, Rick Warren said to me, I'd love to endorse it because everywhere I go, Christians are demoralized, yeah. discouraged. Yeah. And this is a time to be realistic. Yes, we're not naive, but with hope. Because yes. the gospel is truly the best news ever. Yes. And if you look at the deep things our world needs, a strong view of human dignity, yeah. where do you have it? In the Bible. You mentioned people being made in the image of God. That is the Magna Carta of humanity. Mm-hmm. We mentioned the high view of freedom. You can look at the biblical view of justice. Go on down the line. All the foundational issues the world needs are in the scriptures. Mm. And we are the messengers of that today. Well, Oz, it has been a privilege. It was a privilege to hear you speak here at this event. And it's been a privilege to have you part of the Gospelized podcast. And... Uh, Praise God for your role in the body of Christ. You know, they said every movement in the book, The Tipping Point, there's connectors, there's salesmen, and there's mavens. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you're a connector and a salesman as well, but you are a maven that we look to to really produce well, these kinds of, help us kind think of through your, these things. Your part is key too. And I'm just saying, all your listeners and your youth, God bless you all. And You know, one of the tragedies in America, whether we're talking about America or the church, is the gap between generations. Yes. It's part of what's called generationalism. Mm. And if your group can just turn on that next generation and give them the baton, pass on the flaming torch, that's an incredible challenge and amazingly important. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for uh, taking some time with these youth leaders today. Thank you. God bless.